Okay. Hey, well, buddy, what can I do for you? Oh, hey. Uh, I, I listen. I my car got backed into. I didn't get the didn't get the plates. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, insurance is not going to cover it. Mm-hmm. I need a, I need a car repair, and I would preferably have it done on the cheap. Doesn't yep. need to be fancy. Just needs to get it from point A to point B. Om- only the finest service at the bargain bin prices. That is the promise that we give here at Volt Ron's. I'm Volt Ron. Uh, and yeah, I can absolutely take a look at your car. Why don't you come on back with me? Uh, we can take a look in there together. So, uh, uh, sure, Volt Ron. All right. So, what? What do you got? You got this here car. Uh, what color would you say? Is this taupe? Would you say? Uh, it, it's it's taupe. I'm, yeah, I'm veering uh, in the sort of puce direction. Yeah, let's take a look here under the hood. So, you say this got uh, mm-hmm. this got uh, invaded by some laser beams. I, oh, well, I said it got rear-ended by, mm-hmm. I think it was just a pickup truck. All right, well, let me see if it still works getting the pass, the, the pilot seat here. I'm going to ignite hyperpower, and uh, my AUG units are going to interlock, uh, and then I'm going to activate the mega thrusters. Is that is that good, or is that under your warranty? Uh, almost certainly not, but okay, you're the well, expert. Okay, well, let's just give the... Ooh, it's purring like a lion. Yeah, so from what I can tell, you've got your quantum phaser destabilizers interfering with your uh, nougat deflector black hole array. Uh, that's gonna That would normally cost you a pretty penny, but we pride ourselves on quality service at bargain bin prices. Very limited animation work down here at Volron's. I didn't realize I had a nougat deflector. Are, yeah. are you? What, how are you accredited, sir? Uh, I've been credited by the uh, Intergalactic Federation with uh, Earth, along with most of the other good planets. Uh, I'm certified in all good 50 planets. sectors. Yeah, so uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, the biggest problem that you're going to encounter right here, you see that right there in the engine? You got a nest of mice in there. A nest of mice? Are you? I don't you're see a nest You're going to let a cat of- in there. Oh, oh uh, a cat? Like a regular cat? Like Just a, just a regular cat? regular cat that some evil witch perhaps could pet that sounds irregular yeah i'm just joking with my receptionist she'll uh she'll ring you up uh for what (laughs) i'll take care of this now the first step is separating this car into five smaller motorcycles (laughs) from days of long ago from uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend the legend of voltron Defender of the universe, a mighty robot, loved by good, feared by evil, until a new horrible menace threatened the galaxy. Voltron was needed once more. This is the story of the super force of space explorers. Specially trained and sent by the Alliance to bring back Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Yeah, I had a feeling that you'd make the Gundan connection. <laughs> just... uh, Volt, Voltron, by the way, <laughs> kind of a good name for uh, like a car repair That's guy. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, like, that is straight up infomercial uh, quality. Branding right I, there. I just, I'm just amazed that it took us this long to go from Gundan to Voltron. <laughs> like, I, uh, <laughs> I oh. have to, I have to say, I do like Gundan better, but that's just because I think he was higher energy and more unhinged, not because he is yeah, a better. Yeah. I, I didn't even bother man. coming up with like a good uh, uh, voice direction other than just my standard, you know, blue collar mechanic. Yokel, yeah. But, but I wanted to 
really sink into the depthy character role. No, the the real reason that I wanted to talk about cars is because I took my car in uh, to the shop yesterday because the fan wasn't working. You you turn on the fan and it sounds like a bunch of rocks are gargling around in there, and also cool. it gives me terrible allergies. And what they told me, what they found was that there was a nest of mice in there. No. <laughs> yeah. No. That's <laughs> so good. You got fucking mice, dude. <laughs> Impossible. You're lying to me. No, no. I mean, there were other problems. Was that like nest of mice? Nest of mice. How do they... Wait, I need to tell how, you a little something about my philosophy your... toward automotive repair. <laughs> Throw money at them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if... if as, I don't need a new car until I'm spending more than a thousand a year for maintenance. That's, listen, that's my philosophy on it. Listen, I there's only so much time in the world that we have. There's only so <laughs> many things what we can know and be experts in. I recognize that every time I get my car taken in, I'm getting grifted in one way or another. Sure. And I just accept it. Because mm-hmm. like, it is worth my money to not have to ever think about what a car needs. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, you could make I'm the sure same that I argument could learn for like about it and get really interested and make it a hobby. Would it be worth it? No, almost certainly not. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I like <laughs> I, I would like to reserve my interests to things that do not, um, do not directly feed into my ability to convey myself from place mm-hmm. to place. And, that and, I would like an expert that I trust more than my own intuition. And I believe them because one, the they cleared up the problem. Two, my car had been sitting at a farmhouse for like half a year doing nothing, so that's absolutely a thing that could happen. Uh, but yeah, I was like, mice, a nest, is that a thing? And they're like, it is a thing, you know, we've seen it before, but, you know, not <laughs> not explicitly saying that this was the worst nice mice nets they've found recently. I mean, I don't know how they rank them. Was I don't know mice? what the rank, is it like by the pound or? Yeah, Mouse of the, Mouse of the Month year award. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cartoncast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. Uh, his name is Glenn. Yep. Their name is Jane, <laughs> and a fifth one. And uh, this is we've had guests. This is the this is, this is the <laughs> podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And Zane, Mike, and headphones, computer, and internet, and I form the Cartoncast. Okay, uh, and uh, yeah, Zane, we're talking about Voltron today. Yeah, I was not happy about watching. I did not like this show very much. Yeah, very, very fanfare. Much Lots wow. of good fanfare. Um, yeah, so let, let's let's set the stage a little bit. Voltron uh, is a Voltron. big property. Voltron's huge, and it got like a bunch of reboots. I actually did watch a good amount of the 2016 uh, mm-hmm. to 2018 reboot I and did. um it's it's more watchable uh, it, it is but it equally... isn't really any more interesting yeah it's equally as generic uh but yeah. just with more modern sensibilities like they gave the characters personalities but they're basically the same you've seen the archetypes before yeah you've seen everything and of course, about this before the animation and, and sound design is all you know updated to modern times so it's 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 a more polished version of kind of the same thing. Um, Zane, we have to put on our, 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 our 80s, 80s retrospects. Yes. And the question is, had people seen this before, even in the mid-80s? And the answer is also yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, <laughs> big robots fighting around in space was not a new concept, even for the 80s. Uh, and color-coded heroes, also not new. It, it's unclear why this blew up. I don't, 
I don't think it's that unclear. Uh, like, I mean, the I localiz- mean, something the localization, had to, right? anthropic principle, like something had to pass through the great filter of merchandising. But nothing about this struck me as particularly unique or special. I, th- I think it was mainly one of those things that it became big in America just because right place, right time. Look, this was the age of limited animation. Mm-hmm. This was uh, produced in, um, what was it, 86? Yeah, 84. 84, okay. So yeah, this is very early on limited animation. You've seen it before. We've talked about He-Man. We've talked about Thundercats. It's kind the, of this... a lot of the same. Yeah, I would also include, like, G.I. Joe in the way that this yes. series is built. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. Um, this is a format. Uh, this, this is, you know, a Japanese animation uh, TV series that got localized over into the, uh, into the States. Yes. Um, it used to be ro- Super Robot anime series Beast King Go Lion. Go Go on, yeah. Yeah, and they rebranded it as Lion Force Voltron. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how much you read about how the production process worked. A little bit. (laughs) It's it's kind of fascinating. So normally what you do with these uh, is you get somebody to translate it, and then you dub over it, you know, to your best degree based on the cost. They didn't do that. Translation would certainly be a part of it, though. Yeah, they didn't do that. Instead no. <laughs> of translating the show, they guessed at what the plots were and got a writer, uh, Jameson Brewer, who had previously written some Scooby-Doo movies, if that helps, uh, to, a little bit. to write entirely new dialogue. I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> that's so that's, good. They just mm, did the Whose Line Is That Anyway game. It's <laughs> beautiful. Like they did seasons. it for 124 episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it was an immediate hit in the States. Uh, (laughs) this is also a weird story too yeah go ahead because they weren't supposed to be adapting this show (laughs) they they, what do you mean originally the show voltron was supposed to be adapted from the show future robot daltanius which is another super robot show and they requested the tapes from toei animation and they said yeah give us the robot show with the lions and they got sent Beast King Go Lion instead. And the producers were like, this is way better. Let's do this. Mm. And then for I, future... I did not know that. That's amazing. <laughs> and then for future seasons, they didn't even like, like it wasn't future seasons of Go Lion. It was other animes <laughs> that were adapted that had similar aesthetics. And they just called it Voltron. They, they used in later episodes of Voltron, uh, footage from mecha anime armored fleet dairugger 15 <laughs> and names. and it i really would love to see the process of like someone you know there's got to be a youtube channel of like an animator who cuts up a bunch of different things and splices them together in order to make a new thing mm-hmm. i would love to have seen what the process of yes this works no this do- this doesn't work what characters to include yeah. how much action can actually happen between two different properties of entirely different scenes like right. can you have them what fight? if they need a spin-off of their own later right what if they get their own adaptation we don't want to confuse the base well, um, more like they just wouldn't be able to exist in the same shot so like how would right. you splice them together <laughs> and and it, this this process of stealing different shows and turning them into a single entity is really fitting for what Voltron is, which is a show about machines that fuse together to make a cohesive yes. whole. Um, now, another... Uh, was it, do you think it was just Anthropic Principle? Because I kind of... I was looking at this 
in reference to some of the other mech animes that we've seen. Sure. Uh, Big O, Gundam, etc. I I actually kind of like this a bit better than those. Well, I think that the difference is, you know, you're looking at your Gundams, um, and, and I've heard a similar thing with, like, other, you know, space-ish stuff like Macross, where... It is grand in scale. It's big and it's it's uh you know very plot heavy where where things change over time. This one is the opposite. It's far more episodic, which did appeal to the American sensibility at the time. Totally. Um, but I don't know that that's inherently a credit. I, I can see why it was more marketable. When was He Man? Because He Man was it, also eighty four. I think. Was it also eighty four? Because if Somewhere they were already kind of whatever the market was for He Man, this does the same episodic thing of we know the grand scale issue. Skeletor wants at Gray Skull Castle. This is a new way he's trying to do this, mm-hmm. uh, which did feel monotonous, but it was kind of always different because there were like various minor villains to play off of, and you could just create new lore because it was mostly uh, fantasy and a little bit of Mm sci-fi. So you could have memory crystals from an angel that uh, wound up in the sea, and that would just be like the beginning of an episode of He-Man. Oh, we have evil frogs. Oh, they're robot evil frogs. It doesn't really matter (laughs) the difference. Yeah, like I just, I I was randomly skipping around future episodes of, um, of, of Voltron, and like one of them is... Like, a comet is going to impact Eris, and it's got special gravitons that is going to make it hard to deal with. So Voltron goes there, but gets his strength sapped, and then, like, the galactic military blasts the comet off course. So now they're heading to the end of the universe, Mm. and they encounter a gigantic stone angel there. Like, it's complete nonsense. (laughs) Yep. But I like the nonsense. It's, it's, uh, for whatever reason, like... I, I guess I'll, I'll save why exactly I think the nonsense is good and additive later on. Um, but yeah, we, we, we can we can yeah. get back into production if you have anything else. It, well, yeah, I, I mean, they changed some things in um, in the adaptation, right? They took out some yes. of the violence. They remixed the audio. Um, you know, one of the main characters in, in the original, Sven, who was Shiro. Uh, we'll talk about Sven. Uh, yeah, he was I would killed, rather not. He was killed off like episode six, but here he's just, you know, oh, he's injured, he's out of commission. And in later episodes, in the original, his brother shows up and takes over, uh, but they're just like, well, he got better. You know, like, he, he, yeah. he got better, the planet got enslaved, he escaped and rejoined, and that's that's classic Sven. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I would really appreciate it if you could just call me Sven. Uh, he's told me all about you, so you, no need to, like, introduce <laughs> ourselves or anything. We can just, it'll be like I never left. Right, right, right. Oh, can you fill me in on everything that happened, you know, off screen (laughs) real quick? (laughs) Um, Now, the similarities between this show and Power Rangers, um, the fact that it's, you know, five teens dressing up in color-coded things forming a mech. It's impossible to ignore. It led some people to believe that Power Rangers was a ripoff. But in fact, it's the other way around, because Super Sentai, which Power Rangers was adapted from, predates it. The original Sentai show, Himetsu Sentai Go Ranger, premiered in 1975, and they added giant robots to the series in, with, uh, 19, in 1979 with Battle Fever J. Battle Fever J is a solid stripper name. Yeah, uh, you know. Oh, I could go for a Battle Fever job. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> I'm already in the area. Uh, but yeah, uh, so so a lot of comparisons have been made to other giant robots, uh, in particular Power Rangers. Uh, really good death battle episode between those two. Yeah, I remember that. Um, just to, just to t- 
touch on something that you had mentioned. They did cut out some of the more problematic material, Mm -hmm. mainly because the American markets were more conservative about their children's programming. Yeah. Which I I think the puritanical values of kind of uh, American media persists today. You know, you'll find a lot of stuff in Japan that doesn't fly super well. Uh, For other examples that are maybe a little bit better known, um, you'd have... uh, You'd have like a Sanji from One Piece. He'd have a lollipop instead of a cigarette. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- things of that nature. Um, but this show is actually pretty dark. Like some of the stuff that got through to the American dub was the fact that the main bad guy is just a huge slaver. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing that got through. Right. So imagine the kinds of stuff that got blocked off. It was well, death it's... stuff. It was, I from what I could read about, from what I read about it, it was some like. Some some torture stuff? Yeah, everything kind of gets moved down in the translation. So, oh, he's torturing them. Well, that goes down to just he's enslaving them. Or he's like, just oh, tickling them. You know, he's doing, like, sex slavery stuff. Well, that goes down to torture. You know, everybody kind of goes down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, there, there's, a, there's a, a spectrum there. Um, but, yeah, you, you had mentioned Power Rangers. Now, yeah. you like Power Rangers. I do. You don't like this. Correct. What exactly is the is do you do you think is the main reason if you can pull that apart? I mean, nostalgia is obviously going to be a part of it, but if of if I try to disentangle it, it has to do one with the production values. Um, you know, live action, this sort of thing is always just going to be more gripping because you've got a guy in a rubber suit that's like classic B-movie type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, more relatable characters who have distinct personalities that continue on. Um, mm-hmm. You have more distinct robots. They're not all lions. You know, dinosaurs are rad. I don't know if you heard. Lions are kind of 93-ish. I, I don't know, man. I Like, we can talk about it in a bit, but I think Voltron is objectively cooler than the Megazord. The Megazord looks big and dumb. Like, a really <laughs> blocky nonsense. He looks like... Voltron's the, hands are lion heads. Do you, no are you not in for thumbs? that? Are you not into that? <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't know. It, like, the, it didn't work do you for remember me. in Big, in the uh-huh. movie Big with Tom Hanks? Yeah, the, he would be like playing with that like uh, robot that turned into a building, and he'd sure. like break it accidentally. Mm-hmm. That's what the Megazord looks like. Yeah, it's big and blocky and dumb. And yes, I understand that there are dinosaurs in there. I think that Voltron looks cooler. I'm not defending the way that the Megazord looks. I'm defending the fact that like. When there's a plot and and there's a drama curve where things start off cool and chill and things get escalated, that isn't engaging. Here, we're always in the midst of an intergalactic war, and the big that's dramatic... the macro plot though. But, but that like, that doesn't distinguish it from Power Rangers. You understand? Yeah, I, I think the the way that it is expressed is different. Uh, in this show, I kind of felt like they were all just sort of at this middle dramatic range, where like. When things got worse, it wasn't like they were acting like things were worse. Like, it, it all just kind of muddled through. Okay, okay. I, I, I think I see what you're saying. Um, I think that a lot of that can be laid at the feet of the fact that this is animated and that is live action. And a degree of subtlety is possible in mm-hmm. live action, wherein in animation that's going to cost big dollars. Um, I, that I, being said... 
on the gradation of 80s uh, limited animation, mm-hmm. and I know I'm jumping around a bit, I, I found the actual action scenes pretty watchable. Okay. It, the, they didn't happen as often as they maybe needed to, but, like, compared to a He-Man, where you'd get, like, a He-Man throwing a tank every so often, this has, like, grappling and, like, uh, and and all sorts of cool stuff going on in the animation. Mm-hmm. But, like, it looks choppy, because they're using less inter interlocuting frames. Yeah. But I think that allows them to be a little bit more dynamic with what they're doing. So on the on a pure animation standpoint, I thought that this was pretty good for the era that it was in. For, I mean, I think on the whole, it it struck me more as like pretty limp animation. Like, you know, the lions will be flying away, and the monster shoots blue fire at them, and they're enveloped, and they fall to the ground. And there's not even like a sound effect or a scream. Like most of the action scenes hit me as pretty flat. Interesting. I actually found the opposite. I thought hmm. that the action scenes were the highlight. Hmm. Um, th- there's like a, a part in an episode that I watched wherein there's like this big kind of tentacle tank thing because whatever, uh, and Voltron comes down and he like comes down from the top and does like the vertical slice to get rid of some of the tentacles and then does like a crouch and a, like a horizontal like uh, samurai thing mm-hmm. to cut the Achilles tendon. Yeah, that's like, it's pretty just, good. It's dynamic. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. I feel like they don't spend a ton of time in Voltron itself, um, you know, because it just it solves problems immediately. It's the it's the super robot kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think let's it's, let's bring back to mind the distinction between super robot and real robot. Yeah, super um, robot is like might as well be magic or god. Real robot yeah. is this is an extension of the society that built it. Yeah, this is straight up god. Like mm-hmm. everyone talks about it like it's god. It's it's a it's a it's a legend. It's a prophecy. It's more than a legend. It is. It is. Yeah, it is a prophecy. It's a prophecy. I don't mind, but mm-hmm. it, it is a prophecy. It it feels like it's being used as a religious icon around which this war can be propagandized. Yeah, <laughs> like there's so much of people just saying the only thing that can win is Voltron. Voltron is what we need. Yeah, learned helplessness is what's going on here. That that's what it feels like. I don't know. Yeah, the 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 deep state of Eris keeping a. Uh, keeping the citizenry under uh, lock and key. Yeah. I, I think the action on the whole is, is like, fine. Like, I can I can nitpick on the specific way that it is expressed. But the problem, like, the primary issue that I have with the show has to do with the way that it's written, the way that the characters are expressed, and the lack of dynamic range. Like, it's it's not about the show. It's about the way the show is made or translated. So what do you mean by... Uh... What do you mean by it, it lacks dramatic range or dynamic range? Excuse me. Um, you know, part of it is the way that the music is constructed. It's it's just sort of like at a consistent like orchestral like ex- level of excitement. It's a Scooby Doo episode in in it, music terms. It's a bit of a Scooby Doo. It's everything's just vaguely tense consistently. That. <laughs> The, yeah, the sh- I'll the, agree to that. <laughs> the ship is going down, the fire breaks out, they're captured by vultures, they're being attacked by spears, they're walking towards a creepy castle. It's always the same music and the same, like, we better watch out, oh no! <laughs> like, um, Yeah, it, it's, it's, it can be. It's less dramatic than would be believable, but also too dramatic for the big moments to stand out. 
What I do like is that every time the Voltron theme kicks in, it is always like the turning point, and it mm-hmm. really sells the whole mythology of this is our savior. Yeah, I, I think that I, I that think, is pretty good. I think the main theme is is very good. It just uh, you know, it's, it's like an Eternia. Yeah, yeah. It it uh, it's used well in that you know when you look back on something, you remember the highest point and the ending point, and you've put your best theme at both of those. Yeah, it is used appropriately for the theme that it is. I agree that there there could have been like less in the way of just like tense orchestral. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of good themes that I think are are a little bit uh, that that give it a little bit of range. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I I think yeah, I, I, I mean yeah. I think it is interesting music. It's certainly some interesting choices. Like sometimes you get harp music when they're walking around, or like a lullaby sounding piece. But they're not Dude. put in a specific place. It's like oh, a monster lording over the broken lions. Let's put a lullaby in there. I so maybe this is just like about your mileage may vary. I watched certain episodes mm-hmm. thing, but like there is a theme that gets used in. Um, the Galactic when the Galactic Federation when all the bureaucrats are talking around a table, it sounds like a Phoenix Wright interrogation <laughs> scene kind of, or like uh the, the courtroom scene from Chrono Trigger. Like it's just like this ponderous like um I I, I can't describe it. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe hopefully I, you'll be able to find it, but I, I, I found it pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess I, I I don't have enough of a breadth of this show. That's the other thing. Um we didn't watch this as kids. Yeah, that's always going to hurt. We should have we should have asked Gary his thoughts. Oh, I'm sure. Well, there are so many high profile voice actors in the cast of it. Maybe not high profile, but like they've been in the industry long enough that Gary probably has met them and had a drink with them. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the characters because on the whole, I found them pretty lackluster. Um, you know, nobody's bouncing out the hip hop keto. You know, like they <laughs> yeah, would in Power Rangers. There's very little hip hop keto. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so th- there are. Let, let's talk about like the five lions, and then we can go into auxiliary characters. Yeah, there is Keith, who is voiced by Neil Ross, um, who is Volturo from Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Then Keith is just a real piece of toast. <laughs> he's he's spe- he's basically Speed Racer. He's he's like he looks identical to Speed Racer. Yeah, but Speed Racer, like, he was injecting the action into the scene. This guy's more calm. This is Doug. He's he's just like a... He, you know who he kind of reminds me of is Bucky O'Hare. Like, mm. he's just very I'm here for good the leader material. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a good leader. I actually like him a decent amount for the leader character, because he's like... First of all, I think he's the best voice performance of the bunch. And yeah. to have your character be the most listenable, also be the leader good decision yeah there's a lot of unlistenable characters on this roster hey (laughs) they're doing their best that's that's gonna happen (laughs) this was the 80s in a you know american localization of a japanese anime not even a localization Uh, (laughs) like reimagining reimagining yes guessing (laughs) yeah Um, he he is pretty bland i found that he fulfilled the role of i am the leader and that's it yeah, the, well. the Freddy archetype. Hey guys, we gotta get the we gotta get work together and take these I guys down. I can't overstate how much he looks like Speed Racer. It's just mm-hmm. the eyes. Like if you are familiar at all with Speed Racer's eyes and the fact that he's wearing the helmet too, like it's it's a <laughs> doing a side by side comparison. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's Lance, uh, who is Michael Bell. Yep. Um, 
who was Chucky Finster and Drew Pickles from Rugrats. Oh, neat. Uh, which is cool. He looks like Corcus from Berserk. He's got like a really, vi- he's got like a very, um, he's got like a very I- like unique facial structure. He's a bit of a bad boy. He is. I like. He's the one with attitude. He's mm-hmm. the teenager with attitude. This right. is a Power Ranger teenager. <laughs> he slipped in. Our screening yeah. process is supposed to get rid of these guys. Yeah. Uh, what I think is cool is that in the remake, in the 2016 remake, he's the focal character. Like okay. the kind of underdog. I wanted to be the leader, but I couldn't really. I think that I would work for me better. Um, I, I think I wanted to see more of him here. Uh, that that lack of range like didn't make him as you know edgy or, or uh, standoffish as I kind of wanted. It was it was a little muted for me. This show is all about kind of macro conflict. Whereas I think the remake is more about micro conflict, about like yeah. conflict within the team itself, and not with the villains. Because that's because that's what um, you know. That's what that's the show is more engaging. <laughs> that's yeah. how you do it. Yeah, and this um, was probably made to sell toys, so you know, uh, grand scale Star Wars kind of things is what you were going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't have much to say about Lance. Yeah, Pidge we- is also Neil Ross. Yep, um, he is hard to hear. It's. It's really rough. Um, he sounds like Snarf. The vocal direction as a whole is pretty bad in this show, in my opinion. Like, the, It's not good. And, and Pidge is kind of the worst cause just because we have to hear him so much. But as a character, he's definitely the best because he's not just stock standard. He's, he's the small guy who's also the smart guy. He's mm-hmm. as food hungry as Hunk is. He's impulsive, but he's also gung-ho. Like He, he worked for me. I just couldn't stand him. <laughs> yeah, it, he's hard to listen to. Um, but I think it was using that 80s era mentality of we need a cute sidekick character in order to like appeal to a younger crowd, mm-hmm. like a snarf or what have you. So, Or a scrappy. Um, hold on to that thought about scrappy for a second. Well, I think, uh, I think Pidge, like the fact that Neil Ross plays both Keith, the most listenable, and Pidge, the least listenable... Shows that they the the they they weren't looking for the best person for the job. They were just looking to you know to save costs. Who's in the office? And so like you get this with all the minor characters too, like uh, the one offs or the unnamed people. The jobbers are voiced so ludicrously different from the way it's, they look. It's everybody's, very bad. Everybody's it's kind just of amazing, putting on actually. the only voice they know. Like a big guy, a big guy in the show sounds like a child putting on a big boy voice <laughs> yeah it's really good or somebody's just like picking an accent and over enunciating <laughs> that's that that tipped it back into like the <laughs> negative scale of uh cartoon appreciation for mm-hmm. me where it's just like wow that is an insane choice like in, i in can't the first, look away in the first arc like the princess has a bodyguard or something and he's like trying to help her escape or, or something and he sounds like a 10 year old <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw Pidge trying to escape through the caves, and there was, like, a, a, a miner there who was kind of showing him the way, and it was a very similar-sounding mm-hmm. uh, kind of voice. A lot of cave escapes in this show. Almost as much escapes. as mech battles. Secret tunnel. Yeah. Um, Pidge in the remake is a girl, which oh. I think is a good diversity choice. Yeah, give us In some terms balance. of, like, this... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, which, by the way, um, when Sven kicks it, uh, Princess Allura takes over as the lion, right? Yeah, I really like that choice. Yeah, that that that. that I wish she had gotten rid of a lot of the others. 
that lends a lot of goodwill toward the property as a whole for me. Because, mm-hmm. like, the fact that they had Sven and he was a Sven, like, he, this was like the Swedish chef kind of deal. Yeah, what's, what's going on with Sven? <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I'm just here with my crazy accent. I'm going it's to die really in a few. <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty not good. Um, he he's essentially there as a placeholder sprite until yeah. <laughs> they, they they felt like filling him out. Sven, Hunk, our good I think, buddy, is who we've bit... gone through hell with. Yeah, <laughs> I, Hunk is a little bit better. He's voiced by Lenny Weinrib, mm-hmm. which is Grimace from the McDonald's commercials and the Scrappy original dude. Scrappy. Yeah, and he's the original Scrappy dude and HR Puff and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and he's more interesting, but no more bearable as a voice actor than Pidge. Yeah, yeah, he's got a bit more. Uh, he's got a bit more uh, animation into his voice. Like he, he has better things to do with it. But they just make him the hungry guy. Like God, what are you they do? they talk about him being hungry so fucking often. Well, he's fat, Ben. I understand that he's a large. This is how person. he treated fat people in the eighties. <laughs> I understand that too. It doesn't make it any easier to watch now. Uh, I actually like him in the um, in the remake a bit better as well, mm-hmm. uh, just because he is kind of also the um, uh, the uh, the cautious one, mm-hmm. like though the one who is you, you always have that character who like doesn't want it, he's the Chucky Finster of the group in sure. in the remake. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're they're a fine group. They they all kind of fade to the background except for the main guy except for the leader and and occasionally pidge just because you can't ignore pidge yeah i kind of wanted a couple more of them to have like accents or you you know like the star trek thing where like i kind of people from all these walks of life and then we get we get sven you know we get kind of seems like an intergalactic defensive force would have a bit more representation but that might be too much yeah that's the other thing this these are like a fleet of space adventurers or something before they meet voltron Mm -hmm. like they're designed to be a voltron unit and then they get voltron (laughs) well they heard about the legends of the planetary defender and they just happened to land where he's at there are five of us do you think maybe i don't know now we're spitballing here now we're we're color-coded but not correctly. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm I'm wearing this black jumpsuit. I'm gonna hop in the blue lion, and it's gonna come out of lava. Any any problems? Anybody got issues with this? Uh, uh yeah. So yeah, Sven gets replaced by Princess. Yeah, Princess Alora, who is voiced by B.J. Ward, who was Velma and Betty Rubble. Cool. In Flintstones, um, and yeah, I I like her. Decent. Yeah, yeah she's she great. She's fine. You know, there there's times where like Voltron's dicking around and she just like hops up on the artillery guns and starts blasting. Yeah, I had a real like. You, you had mentioned one time that Princess Peach has has a has like a a, a shotgun in a, the <laughs> Rabbids game or yeah. something like that, and that's what it made me think of. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, she, this is a real girl boss. Yeah, I, I like her. I like her pretty. She, okay. She's got a chancellor who's a little like cowardly and a little, you know. Uh, yeah, the Lord Fauntleroy character is. Yeah, he's uptight, and she's just like, "Listen, I gotta save my people." Like, this is an action princess. I'm kind of on. This board. is a yeah. This is a Xena of sorts. She can talk to mice. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is also kind of the snarf paradigm. Mm-hmm. I wonder how. I, I I'm curious in the Japanese. Um, uh, you know, in in the Japanese, how pivotal the mice were. I just don't know why they're there. They they, they persist, dude. They're in every Voltron. It's like the mascot character. 
Yeah, there's there there must be something from the original, like some nuance or some cultural thing that just they no, ignored. there couldn't have because there couldn't have been it 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 could they they didn't know whether or not the mice were pivotal in any way they couldn't have they right. didn't know what the Japanese voice actors were saying so was it like a Cinderella reference I don't know it kind of feels like that right like the magical mice that uh. Mm-hmm. That turn uh, Allura into a uh, into a space princess as opposed to a regular princess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Uh, and then we have the main bad guy. Yes, Zarkon, King Zarkon of Planet Doom. Planet Doom is good. <laughs> I I like Planet Doom. If I can, it's like the fright zone. I'm I'm here for it. Well, what do you like about it? The slavery or the torture? Uh, I I I wouldn't want to pigeonhole myself into a single thing <laughs> no, that I like course. about Planet Doom. Um, he's very Doctor Claw. Uh huh. And I kind of like the. It's not a Skeletor. Skeletor had charisma, but I I like the over the top. <laughs> yeah asshole to the heroes and also a very unforgiving commander to his subordinates which yeah. is a good place for space this, this is a dark lord this is sauron after the rebranding this is sauron when he's dressing down saruman for yeah. like <laughs> wearing casual on a wednesday mm-hmm. it's um you know he he, he works for me like you're, given you're that off the, plot the force is... turn in your spikes in your nipple armor <laughs> Given that, um, given that the plot is the way that it is, and we can't have any subtlety with this villain, I like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he works well, and he, you know he has a nice little like contingent of pretty well designed monsters. Like I, I like the way that these things look. They yeah. are a bit more like monochromatic and uh, uh, basic compared to some of the um, you know like Power Rangers villains I'm used to. Like you're never going to see Pumpkinhead here. Um, but they definitely sell the idea of a very hostile universe. Let, let, let's take that point a little bit and talk about the setting of this place because mm-hmm. I, I think that this is its big strength. Yeah, I didn't get a, I didn't get a good sense of the world building. Well, you recognize that there are civilians, which puts it above uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice and mm-hmm. Big O. Yep. <laughs> So, like, there there are populace. There are stakes here. Stakes exist to this conflict. Slaves are being freed. Planets are being blown up. This yes. is important. Right. You know? This is big shit. It's big shit. Like, it has the sense of scale that a savior robot protector would require in order to actually sell his mythos. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that that's actually really good. There's also just some nonsense lore... Like I was saying, um, there's there's a part in um, in in the episode that I watched where Voltron is sent to the end of the universe, where he encounters a giant stone angel, who I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase here uh-huh. <laughs> gives them a chance to return to Eris or to pass into the realm of eternal happiness. Oh boy. Uh, which I think means, like, are you ready to die or not in the probably the original Japanese. She then repowers Voltron with the Star of Hope, which grants them the power of a thousand suns. Sure. Now, remember, there's no translation from the Japanese. They're guessing. This was written <laughs> using what they saw on the screen, and boy, does it look like a Star of Hope powering Voltron with the power of a thousand suns in. That's not bad. And 
Something of the enormity and the nonsense of that scale really fits the whole mythic protector space drama mm-hmm. thing. Like, yeah. I think it fits the scale of universal conflict and also mythic savior religious deity. Right, right. The, 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 I mean, the upside of that is it always feels cool when he assembles, when he starts fighting this guy, when he gets that random burst of power. And it even kind of makes sense because, like, they're, they're learning this as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you just get that huge sense of, of cosmic proportions. The downside of this is there's not a lot of good reason why they wouldn't start there. And the obstacles to them beating the enemy have to be distinctly non-Voltron in nature. Right, like they need to lose a key, or you know, oh, they're they're you know feuding with each other, or they just don't know about the enemy's plans until they're already most of the way underway. Frankly, I find that more. Um, I find I find that works better than the Power Rangers uh, mechanism of we're having a problem, which a lot of the time is. We don't want to escalate things unless we really well, have to. That's, that's Zordon's rule. Don't escalate the situation unless Rita forces you to. And they're child soldiers. They're not going to disobey that. Oh, well, I understand this is a problem with management. I understand <laughs> like the, the, the chain of command is flawed. I, right. I don't find that to make it any more approachable or watchable. Um, but like, it's not distinct from the way that Power Rangers treats it. So like, mm-hmm. the plot arc of each episode is something is, something is problem- Dark forces want to try a new a new gimmick, you know. Mm-hmm. Rita decides to um uh you know get get a get a green ranger involved or uh prey on Billy's fear of fish or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the new so, the uh, new CD player just dropped. I'm going to make you fight a CD monster. But the Megazord doesn't change. No, well you're missing the point because what what I mean is the cool part in Voltron is Voltron. But most mm-hmm. of the episode isn't Voltron. The cool part in Power Rangers is the martial arts and the neat weapons and the broken down Megazord. The cool part's not the Megazord. The Megazord is there to finish the episode, and it does that pretty quickly. The dinosaurs almost ne- the, the the individual Zords almost never play. I'll 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 see that ground. Yeah, um, <laughs> and in, in the same way, Voltron is almost always a Voltron, and regularly isn't five lion bots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't think that the... I think it may be your nostalgia is coloring this a bit. Because oh, yeah. I think that the... I think that the arc of any individual episode is equally... Makes equal sense in the Voltron universe as it does in the Mega... In the in the in Power Rangers the, universe. The plot and the arc are both very similar. But it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Uh, and I think even with nostalgia accounted for, one of them is going to be a bit smoother. I, I guess also it's a bit more approachable for Power Rangers, not merely because there's, um, I guess, it, the, the scale, right? Mm-hmm. Universal versus planetary. Yeah. The conflict is a fantastical world, because in the 80s you needed fantastical world. Otherwise, why were you there? Yeah. So y- it wasn't in Angel Grove. We weren't in L.A. We were in space, I, we were in, uh, which, by the way, another 80s thing that keeps on coming back. We're protecting a fucking castle. I don't right. know why it's always a castle, <laughs> but 
Grayskull well, does this. Castles like, are neat. In the same way that dinosaurs are cool, castles are cool. Castles plus dinosaurs and no, then also robots. Th- that's like, that's three, dino trucks. <laughs> three distinct eras in time always get like smacked together. <laughs> you know, I don't get to see any like abacus uh, or, or like uh, abacus gladiatorial Finch. arena shit. Yeah, there's no abacus fetish there. <laughs> I said abacus Finch. Um, oh, <laughs> that's even weirder. <laughs> so, I, I think I think the deeper problem with Voltron is the fact that it's so powerful. I, there, it doesn't feel like there's anywhere for it to go. It just feels like each episode's retreading rather than an expansion. I don't feel that way. I, I feel as though it's always shown as like this is our last ba- last best hope for um, for for the free universe to uh, like it's. I I found that it was always, um, it was always portrayed as the underdog, mm-hmm. and that like it did the same He Man thing of we're definitely stronger, so the villains need to be tricksy and uh, underhanded, and and maybe that's just a problem of the era that you're bouncing off of. of yeah, it might just, it might have been that the underhandedness and the planning didn't come through as anything other than like, well, let's try this monster or let's try this. You yeah. Know. Uh, I think maybe that execution didn't work for me. But, I, I mean, I definitely see value in this. I just don't see it as rising above the other generic shows. What What do you think helps this show stand out the most? I, I think it's a couple things. Um, I was I was wondering that as well, because I've definitely watched Mecha... Like, I like this better than Gundam, frankly. Oh. Uh, and um, I, I, I think like that... this less than G.I. Joe. Uh... <laughs> I, I think it's a well. I'll, I'll say this: it's not watchable anymore. You know, th- this is the '80s. Yeah, uh, we we can't go back and be and like I had to play games on my computer while I was listening to it and kind of watching it out of the corner of my eye because it I can't. It's too long. The episodes last too long. Mm-hmm. There's too much fluff. I tried that, that but then everything just kind of went past me. '80s <laughs> '80s syndication was like that. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the territory we're in. Um, but I, I think it held a couple of marks of favor over other, maybe more generic feeling shows of of that era. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I said, I think the action is pretty good when it is doing action. Um, the, the the fact that the the Voltron, I think it looks great, frankly. Like, mm-hmm. I think that they're, you know, this was the call up a picture here. This was the uh, decade wherein shows were marketed to sell toys. Oh, yeah. This is very clearly a toy that they want to sell. Yeah, this guy looks pretty good. I love the lion helmet with the weirdly, you know, um, weirdly, like, uh, like he's got full lips. It, it weirds <laughs> me out every time I see well, the full Well, it's like lips. a dude wearing a mascot costume. Like, yeah, the eyes are up here of it's the lion. It's a V for, Vend- it's a v the for Vendetta the with, like, a, a Simba be. mask yeah, yeah. around it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so that's good. Uh, I think that lions individually look good. They're just lion robots. You know, you, I, I like the variety. I, I, yeah, I, it's... I would like. I like, like the color coordinated um, nature of it. Like, well, that's what I mean. It, I, I like the variety. All of the reasons the... that you like the way the Megazord and the uh, and the dinosaurs work. They, these work in similar ways to me. Sure. Yeah. No. They they work in similar ways. They're I think iconic. The distinction. The music is good. <laughs> the the distinction between each of the different Go Lion bots is 
to me, a little uh, uh, less special than using different Megazords. I Because agree. it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the Triceratops versus like, well, this is the blue lion, right? Yeah. Um, what's up with that crest in his chest? Like this weird like crown and cross made out of wrenches like... That's the religious insignia. English engineers unit kind of deal. It's like, it's like wearing a cross necklace. You know, it's like, uh, that. yeah, um, I, I, I tried to go a little bit down the rabbit hole of why is this thing treated so much as a religious icon? Like, is there a purpose to them all saying that this is the savior? Is the, do we got a Jesus robot here? Do do we care about where it came from? No one, I don't know that no. they asked the question at all. They no, just take it for not, granted that this is our savior. Not an ounce. It has come to us in our darkest hour. Of course we deserve it. We can pilot it. We have the keys. You'll remember from Big O, which was called a deus, like, yep. robots are gods in yeah. Japanese fiction of this era. Mm-hmm. That That's just that's just part and parcel. There are justice machines that are also gods. And lions are kings. Look, king, god king, yeah, it's an emperor god king. There you go. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I think that you're looking at it as to, like, why is this exceptional? I think the answer is more, this was good enough. Sure. You know, like, it passes the bar on most of these different axes. The music is good. It, not great, but good. I like it. The style is is pretty good. You know, it's got a decent-looking castle and a great-looking robots and some good variety in the villains. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, and uh, just, like, the setting, I, I thought felt very lived in. You know, th- this is a distinct cosmology. Yeah, I mean it's 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 lived in in the sense that there is um, clearly some lore here. If you want to go digging for it, right? There's relationships. There's planets. You know, oh, the king has a nephew, and the nephew is trading with this, uh, uh, you know, guy from another planet who's going to sell him the arms he needs to fight Voltron. That sort of thing. But it's it's it never quite escapes that like, well, what makes that special uh, aspect? Yeah. For and- me? I don't think, it, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't approaching it on that aspect. I was kind of approaching it from, they don't explain anything, and I actually found that, like, this is kind of a soft magic system mm-hmm. of, like, they just tell you enough details so that you're invested, but not so much that you can determine what's going to happen. Yeah. So it's like a tricky balancing act that I thought they threaded nicely. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so I, I, again, I think that it's just, it's good enough across enough different metrics that it passes, and I think that in the 80s you really just needed a pass fail i i will give this a passing grade certainly thank you that's all i ask <laughs> uh let, let's let's go into the um let's go into the animation for a second mm-hmm. in case you uh found anything in particular about it uh, it it's pretty par for the 80s you get your recycled animation you get your generic blasting and ex- things keep exploding there's a lot of beams doing things there's a lot of beams <laughs> I wasn't a fan of the beams. Whenever they're not doing beams, I think it's really good. Yeah, when they're doing beams, it feels very standard. When you have, like, a sea captain trying to get to his ship's wheels despite his injuries and he's staggering and trying to get there, uh, that that looks good. When you have the same four, like, claw-shaped space uh, shooters firing beams off screen, not good. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, and there are times wherein, it, at least in the intro arc, I don't know if it ever happens again, 
But the Voltron warriors doing hand-to-hand combat, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, there are occasions where Voltron is fighting something and it does look good. Sword fights, giant, giant mecha sword fight in space against a giant robot beast. Generally, I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, again, it, it can veer into the, we're just laser blasting. Mm-hmm. But I, I found that generally it was okay. What about the I, uh, monster designs? Did you get, a, like, you, you mentioned that they are, like, cool and sort of uh, uh, consistent. I thought they were a little bit, like, leather daddy. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of, like, uh, uh, like... Describe this in a way that I can't levy the same complaint against Power Rangers, Zane. All right, Power Rangers, everything was multicolored. You had things based off of real like uh, real-life objects. You had animals kind of thing. Here it's, like... We have a creature that maybe is vaguely reptilian, and he's got leather that's, like, not just a leather jacket. It's, like, leather straps, and there's some spikes and some nipple stuff. He-Man. Remember He-Man? They, do, they I, were <laughs> way into the BDSM stuff. Like, that's right. just... Yeah, this is this is the era There's horns, it. places. I think it's funny that, like, looking back on it now, <laughs> with it, you can clearly see that there's some fetish stuff going on in leather stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it's like Hellraiser. At the time, in the 80s, from Japan, th- there's <laughs> no way. Like, I don't know. I guess I don't know enough about the subculture to really make a determination. But given what I know about the cultural sensibilities of Japan in the 80s, like, mm-hmm. this was like the time of Elvis and Yankee gangs and all that stuff. Leather probably just meant cool guy Arthur Fonzarelli shit, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that's probably what the censors, you know, translating this were like... Yeah, he looks vaguely evil. Let's send it through. Yeah, like th- this is this is totally just a uh, he's got attitude thing. None of it's sexual. <laughs> oh, th- my, it's just my... very funny to look at on it from the future and be yeah. like, wow, everyone had a kink. Oh, you know, like my younger son like watches the show, and my older son dresses like this, so he's gonna look up to the guy, so he's gonna buy the toy. Yeah, this works. <laughs> <laughs> Never ask the question why this older son dresses like that or <laughs> yeah, where he spends so. his time. Well, he doesn't. He's, he's not really an at-home kind of father. No. I, I, he, <laughs> honestly, he still talks to his stepdad a little too much. Mm. Um. So, yeah. I, I, where, where were we exactly? Oh, the, the monster designs. Uh, they're fine. Like, they mm-hmm. felt like, um, like, uh, they felt like um, monsters from like Life Force or any of those old Genesis games, like the Space Genesis games with the crazy names. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 they felt uh, similar to that. That that uh, that's an image, Zane. Yeah. So Zane, <laughs> what Zane just shared with me was um, a bat piranha amalgamation mm-hmm. with some bane tendrils on his trapezius and just gigantic spike nipples. Yep. Like, and I, when I say gigantic. <laughs> Bigger than that. Yes. <laughs> even more so. You could poke out um, an eye with that and it's not even yours. All right. Uh, over under on how, on if we use this as the, uh, the episode <laughs> the title image. Card. Yeah, this is the title card. I'll hide it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, put, put it, put it in one of the lion's eyes or something. Yeah. Uh, this this one's kind of weird. I saw some good ones though. <laughs> yeah, like I think that the um, what what's that one witch called Hagar? Yeah, Hagar, Hagar the horrible. Sure. Yeah, she, she is uh, she's a nice creepy vizier kind of uh, kind of character. I like her. Yeah, I, I mean she's petting a cat, so the like 
underdog Dr. thing you Claw. mentioned before earlier makes yeah. sense with the characters being being mice. Um, I didn't get a good sense of like motivation. Like, is she Alora's like aunt or something? I don't know. It, it, like the 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 command structure. She always was like above reproach from Zarkon. Like Zarkon would like say something snipe snide to him, not snide to her, but he would not actively dress her down like he would like give the uh his generals would be like this is your last chance or else yeah you know one of those things he'd be like she, i am she displeased always... and then she'd be like i'll take care of this baby yeah yeah it always felt as though she was like i don't know she got some special privileges it, for some reason you, you gotta wonder like, how she got to the rank of vizier it, it i i like the idea that like she took down volt because right because she did she she cast a spell she, that cut it, voltron into five pieces yeah. So it's like she's, uh, you know, the professor the emeritus, the professor emeritus. Oh, okay. <laughs> who who came back and is kind of guiding this guy through his evil heyday. Yeah, like, I, I oh, guess so. yeah, like an advisor or a vizier. Yeah, like it. She's she's, um, she's like a historian to his rise to power, and mm-hmm. and she's inv- she's making the possibility for that rise to power. It wouldn't happen without her, but she's not on the central pedestal, and mm-hmm. I think that that's a cool relationship. I always love villain relationships that are, you know, interesting in a way that is not just you know one to one from something else. Yeah. And this this feels this feels special in some way. Mm-hmm. Um. Moving on to something else in the animation, which really needs to be drawn attention to. This is some of the worst dubbing. It's not dubbing, but like, so what? What you do? They were writing the lines wholesale. Surely they could have have written anything. (laughs) You could have written anything for them, Mm -hmm. but you have two shots of two of the different lion commanders talking to each other, and one of them says, "Give him." And the other one says, I want to give him this. And then the first one says, let's give it to him. And yeah. those are like three yep. <laughs> lines right in a row. And they don't fit the mouths that well. <laughs> so it's very difficult to gauge why that was what they went with. Right. I, I don't know what what was going on with that. I, uh, but I it's very you. bad. Mm-hmm. Like first pass draftsmanship kind of shit. Yeah. I, and you got to imagine that like, this isn't the era where they didn't care about reshoots because it was only going to be seen once. This was made for syndication. They knew it was going to run again and again. So, like, I, I think it is just, like, they had to get through a lot of them. That that, that must be And it. they don't like, remember care when we about talked the non-major about, characters. Remember when we talked about the He-Man schedule, which is, like, an episode every week? Like, I, I think it is probably easier to make up dialogue than it is to try to convert existing dialogue and then think of synonyms with the right number of syllables that will fit the mouths. So I feel as though they should have had more time to do it better. I I can't fathom why the dubbing is so poor. Yeah, lack of quality control. That's all I can do. One guy was put in charge of it and he couldn't bring his A-game every day. That's all I can think of. That's really what it feels like, and I, I gotta admit, this is this is the weakest point of the show, in my opinion. <laughs> like, it, it's unlistenable. Um, also, a lot of the time they have people like internal monologues, which you can have as many of those as you want if you're just dubbing it over. Communication doesn't necessarily need to happen between people, mm-hmm. um, and they will just show the uh, the still frame of the character with like you know that '80s era slowly zoom in for the length of the monologue mm-hmm. 
so if you have that in your toolbox, bad dubbed dialogue should never be an option. Right. Even if you're using it sparingly as a tool, uh, there there's plenty of exposition to go around. Right. You can you can fit it into those moments where you don't need to see their mouths moving. Right. Right. I get I, I have to think they were just like this scene's important and their mouths are moving. Put just anything in. Yeah. Because <laughs> we I'm covered what very, we needed to elsewhere. I'm very interested into what the cutting room process was for converting this. Because mm-hmm. like, as you said, they just they just took all of the visual, but they would have to have cut it up differently if they wanted to, you know, bypass sensors or what have you. So they are kind of making their own show, but they can't add new scenes. Right. And and to be fair, I think that if I were under those constraints, I would have repeated more animation frames than they did. It didn't yeah. feel like they repeated a whole lot to me. I don't know how, you know, comprehensive the editing software was back then. I can't imagine that they had as full control over video as we do nowadays where they, they could maybe They like... must have had better control over audio than <laughs> what is displayed. Let's go into music and sound, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Uh Okay, here's the big problem that I have with the sound. Is that, like, this is even lazier somehow than the dubbing. Uh-huh. Because, uh, like, sometimes there will be things that merit a sound effect, and there will be just dead silence. There will be nothing. Somebody, somebody hitting the floor, somebody taking a punch. Things that you need sound to communicate that there's action and weight here. Mm-hmm. And just fucking nothing. Yep. And, and they... <laughs> This, this, I think, contributes to that sense of lack of dynamic range that I was having trouble with, where, like, this should be, because it is, because audio can be done post-production of everything else, this should be the easiest thing to just make up wholesale. I I gotta wonder. And they have yeah. fine sound effects elsewhere, they just don't use them all the time. We were, we were talking about, to your point about different technology for audio mixing i'm sure that back in the 80s like you needed to like you know tape it kind of all along one take right and Mm -hmm. have the sound effects and like you know like an orchestra yeah i'm reminded of when we talked about fiddlesticks and we were talking about you know walt disney was ahead of his time because he was trying to sync up all of this music this orchestral thing and he'd ship it somewhere else and then they would fit it into the um they would they would they would splice it together with the written content, the animation. Right. So I'm wondering if it needed to be all one long take or if it was possible. I don't know the technology of that time. It is very easy to say right now you can just mix audacity files together. Like I do that every every time mm-hmm. I edit, is I just like have different tracks and then at the end export them all as one file, it bang, bang, boom, we're it, done. It, they had to have been able to play the track they had with everything in there except for the sound effect and just add the sound effect. That had to be possible. I wonder if that's just, is that just a, um, is that just like a, you know, uh, is that just like a, like a, a, like a millennial uh, attitude that we have toward sound mixing back in those days? Like, was it that simple? And maybe it was difficult enough that it was easier to just give it a pass and move on. Probably. I mean, the the, the show doesn't have the kind of uh, polish that you would need for uh, 
something where you're hoping that it stands the test of time. This is this is for merchandising, right? And yeah. if you can have the audience supply their own sound effects, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, just imagine it. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, it, we, we put in a VoIP somewhere in there. You can you can fill in the rest. Oh, man, if every sound effect of, like, impact was just, like, a, a dodgeball hitting, like, the floor of gymnasium sound effect. That, that was the sound ima- that they used for slicing the bad guy in half. <laughs> Um, But yeah, like I I think if they put in every sound effect, the show would never stop exploding. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe I'll grant you that. Maybe it's fine. Um, But there was a lot of just like dead air as well. Yeah, it uh, like not musically. Music is always happening. Yeah, even Um, when yeah, even when it's just a person walking from one side of the room to the other side of the room, there's at least a harp. Yeah, I, and I think that the music generally does its purpose. Again, mm-hmm. grading this on a pass-fail, that passes. The sound effects are just unimaginably, like, uh, it, it, it did feel as though no one cared to mm-hmm. make it better. And, and that's, you know, I'm not trying to criticize anyone of the past. Those were probably the constraints that they were writing under and trying to push this media out at a fast enough clip. But I wonder... Because, you know, there were, I, 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 it feels like this was made as cheaply as you could make a thing. Because not only did they not, they could make up their own dialogue, but they're, you know, are also getting all of the video. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think maybe most of the editing was around cutting the problematic sequences yeah. And sound design, and it doesn't feel like they did any sound design. So this really feels like one dude was in charge of everything, and just <laughs> they they brought in voice actors and they did you know their work. But aside from that, yeah, this is pretty. I don't know where the money went. Is is, is <laughs> well, the weird thing bezel. here? This was the eighties. Oh right, 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 right. Excuse me. Cocaine as well. Yes, <laughs> but it's and this is like why how, we um... talk about how transformative Ducktales was, right? Yeah. Where where like, when care. we actually. When we actually care, when the product is the show, that's where the money goes. I guess maybe most of the money just went to merchandising. You know what it reminds me of is like a bridged series on YouTube because you're not going to bother with sound effects because you're not streaming in the audio from the show itself. You're just dubbing voice stuff that doesn't need to match necessarily what they're saying. It's all about the editing. And so sound effects, like if you decide to put them in to be additive, great. But if not, like that's not what people are here for. It's it's diff- it's a yeah the, the market is totally different though because the parody audience will allow for the lack of sound effects. The, uh, kid the children watching, will too. No, the kid watching cartoon audience needs the sound effects, Zane. The kid watching audience will be so overwhelmed by the like power. <laughs> yeah, music. by the seizure lights. Yeah, <laughs> and um. and to be fair, colorful robots, good explosions. Like when we actually look at the visuals of this. You know, as though it was a complete show made in a country that, like, tried to make a complete show. Oh, yeah. It looks pretty good. I I can imagine. I I didn't go and try and find the original, you know, Beast King Golion. I was thinking the same thing. I feel like it would be a a good show. I honestly feel like it probably was. Because everything about this that is, you know, visual reads to me 100%. Or at least, you know, passing grade 75. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
That's about yeah, way I, to put you, it. you know, right place, right time. It's a mech show. Uh, kids didn't have much to choose from. They had a He-Man and a Thundercats. Those were both medieval. Uh, this is a future society that is going to appeal to a different slice of kid audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, right place, right time, and good enough, I think, is where this kind of lands. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of affection for it, though, just because yeah. I think... Yeah, I, I, I find the setting much more engaging than most settings of the 80s. Hmm. I didn't get a lot out of him. I had to make up lore for Thundercats. That one had a mummy in a cave, Zane. <laughs> that was the villain. This is a warlord <laughs> who scary. enslaves uh, people, and also there are mice and angels on the edge of the universe to take you to the Tempest of Dreams or whatever. Like, yeah. there's stuff going on here, at I, I can I can conceptualize it as cool. I do not feel it as cool. And it's not watchable, so, like, that's a point in your favor. We can no longer watch this and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It is it is beyond us. Uh, but I'm glad that you can conceptualize that it is cool, especially mm-hmm. as somebody who has such an affection for Power Rangers. I think I was expecting you to like it more, but your arguments are very sound. Uh, yeah. Sound in a way that this show was not. <laughs> uh, one of these days, I'm going to work out a mathematical formula to determine how much of my enjoyment of Power Rangers is nostalgia and how much is just I don't have good taste in general. Yeah, it sounds like a thing that you don't have bias for. <laughs> Tr- trying to uh, trying to unlock one's own prejudices, you know. Oh, yeah, like you could do a better job of unlocking my prejudices. Uh, I-, I wouldn't be the blind mice leading the blind mo- mouse around. Right. You know, I'd be a, a lion robot leading the blind mouse around. Well, that's very big of you. Very colossally, I'm a, universally I'm a big, big of you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of universal proportions. Um, I, uh, I, I just, I do think yeah. it, I think the thing that strikes me about this show that I can't access because I wasn't uh, around and engaged with it when it came out is the breadth of pop culture, um influence that this has had like so many shows have like a voltron episode or so many shows took a lot of inspiration from it and to me it just feels very middling Mm. and i and i just can't quite figure out why this one uh captured so many kids imaginations compared to other stuff yeah i i i had struggled with the same maybe it's just marketing Marketing probably played a good role in it. I, I wouldn't mind going back and like looking at some of the commercials at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really do think it was just the market was there. You just needed good enough. Like yeah. uh, our our sensibilities now is we've got we've Adventure got Time. We've got we've got Tuca and Birdie. We've got uh, so much good animation that we don't ever need to just accept that whatever's on on Saturday morning before we have to mow the lawn or whatever uh was our what yeah. that was our media mm-hmm. but if if that was your media you just f- took whatever was there and if something that was there was a space opera drama that made little sense and had lots of explosions and gigantic mechs you were probably sated mm-hmm. that was probably like i i think it's hard to overstate how much good enough was good <laughs> enough right it, right. it 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 didn't need to it wasn't competing with anything Zane. Yeah, the horseshoe crab's been around for like 100 million years. It it worked. It it solved it. Yeah, if it ain't broke, <laughs> you know, 
Fuse. Don't combine it into... Don't, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't break it into five lion bots. Like, I, I, I mean, like, I hate to keep on repeating myself, but, like, I really do think that it was just... It, it passed the threshold for kids Popularity. will watch this. Mm-hmm. You know? Kids eat bullshit all the time. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's, like, the best, you know... It's it like it tastes the best. It's just it's what's around. Yeah, eat shit. Some kids, kids like some kids like Mike and Ike Zane. I I, I enjoy the occasional Mike. Oh, you, well, you're yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you, you're, you're your own best test case, Zane. <laughs> the Ikes are the red ones. Sure, they are. Are are they actually color coordinated? But like like the lion bots. Well, the Ikes are red because of Ike Eisenhower, and the Mikes are blue because of Mike Dukakis. <laughs> I don't even think that there are blue ones. I think they're red and green. Like the green Christmas. ones are Ralph Nader's. They, you know, they don't get as much mar- marketing. <laughs> Not even the same decade. Not even the same generation, Zane. <laughs> I'm just having fun. How do we close this out? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. I, 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 I would like it to be in there. Uh, Zane, uh, do I close up or do I ask you what's next first? You can go ahead and ask me what's up. Uh, what's up, Zane? <laughs> How you doing? Uh, how you doing? Uh, Zane, what are we watching next time? Well, Ben, uh, we're not quite done analyzing color-coded friendships uh, and various adventures because we're going to check out Gumby. Gumber. Gumboing. Gwambe. Wambi. Gawambe. Um, <laughs> it's getting yeah, dangerous. Garambe. Yeah, Gumby is uh, claymation that yeah. we have done a couple of times but this is a special this is like the voltron of like i remember this from my childhood but i was aged out by the time it's 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 one of those pillars right this is an elemental Uh force of animation right yes where it has been refined into wallace and gromit for everyone to enjoy this was a this was like this was the raw meteorite from -hmm. which the gumboing uh occurred we're gonna have to talk about the differences between gumby and gumboing zane oh man let me get out my manifesto (laughs) uh but what about after that uh zane i i I kind of forget whether or not it's ready for an anime yet it does we ben voltron is an anime i can't help you is it it? i okay i i didn't pick one yet there are no rules we can watch an anime (laughs) I, I, i wouldn't mind watching like good things all right. This let, let me let me float Is this, this idea. Thing? Let me let me float this idea at you then, Zane. Uh, I haven't seen a sports anime in a while for the show. Sure. I think the last one that we did was Slam Dunk. Yeah, or Oban Star Racers, if you want to think of it that way. I, I kind of don't. Yeah. Uh, let's let's try something that I haven't seen before, but got a lot of critical acclaim yesterter decade. Let's let's look at look let's look at Yuri on Ice. Oh, I just watched this recently. Oh, really? Yeah. Worth my time? It worth talking is, about? It's worth talking about. It's worth your time. I, I feel like it's been get, it's gotten a lot of attention in the uh, YouTube sphere, but uh, let me just check to make sure that no new ones are coming out. Hmm. Because I I don't know how to tell you this. It's not really a sports anime. It is. It's a, a gay anime. It, it's it's romantic. Uh huh. In a in a very sensual manly gay. it's pretty gay yeah it's pretty gay i mean we've, we've already sated ourselves on uh you know on 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 many different other media about um you know we or on high host club 
definitely mm-hmm. kind of scratched most of that itch. Yeah. But I remember this blowing up, and I'm interested in it in the... Like, I don't know if I've seen Slice of Life or Romantic uh, coincide with sports in any capacity. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting show just because, like, um, it is... It kind of became an instant classic, but it also has some pretty major flaws. I am eager to find out what those are. Well, alrighty. Zane, we're going to have to do a trash anime at some point. I'll, or, tra- I'll or, trash or some- any anime. Oh, I don't, I don't think you know what I mean by that. We just watched Voltron. Off, Mike. Uh, Zane, <laughs> we're, uh, but if you have anything to uh, tell us, listener, about either Gumby or um, Yuri on Ice, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our website at cartoncast.com slash cartoncast. Nope. Fancybat.com slash cartoncast. <laughs> it's recursive. Yes, it leads to itself. Uh, and if you go beyond it, you'll find yourself in the realm of eternal happiness, uh, where you can leave a comment. Yep. <laughs> and, good, uh, good. and make us... And, and you you reach across you reach that olive branch across to us and drag us into the realm of eternal happiness because comments are our lifeblood, uh, <laughs> and uh, we would really appreciate hearing from you. If you have any show suggestions or have anything to say about either of the shows I just mentioned, you can also go to Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts uh, for uh, all the podcasts that are have to do with Avatar: The Last Airbender, or you can go to Apple Podcasts um, where you can leave a rating or review for our show. Uh, that really helps us out, um, you know, emotionally speaking, because it's not really a financial venture. But uh, more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Yeah. yeah. You and four of your friends, maybe, get together, hook up your cars, make it a sick hot rod, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, graffiti Talk, carton t- cast uh, on the side. Yeah, and you can you can uh, get Hot Rodney to uh, do Oh, your Hot Rodney. He's the third member of this vehicle trifecta. Oh man, wasn't the first okay? So hang on, Ron, uh, Voltron, Hot Rodney, and Gundam. <laughs> yeah, the super. I, I was just thinking about Gundam recently. Oh yeah, uh, but I can imagine as as... he sneaks in the back of your head occasionally. I I I almost like I almost uh, like I I mean like this is kind of like insensitive, but I I kind of enjoyed the prospect of me having a split personality and half of it is Gundam. <laughs> slowly overtaking the for, the the frontal lobe yeah i see he's taken he's definitely taken my midriff mm-hmm. uh it's just gonna balloon yeah every time you go for a gut check you're like i don't think i want to shoot up you know the space <laughs> lasers yeah but maybe that's just the man trying to keep me down oh right of course uh yeah yeah I, I, that's all i got that that is all see you later let's everyone. let that great theme lead us out yeah, the the I love the techno beat back background for that for that theme. By the way, like it, it feels so epic. If you like a hard rock groove uh, to you know some space uh, giant robot anime, might I recommend some Power Rangers? They've got some <laughs> really good music. Power Rangers, you say? I've never heard of this man. Well, it's based on. I do Super not know Sentai. this man. <laughs>